I'm glad you're here today. Glad that you are able to be with us. I'm excited about um, just uh, uh, talking about what we're going to talk about today. I'm excited about finishing this series uh, on shape. Uh, we started this series uh, several weeks ago, and uh, if you've missed any of the uh, sermons on this uh, topic, uh, you can certainly go to our website at www.fogkc and listen to any of them. Uh, they are up there, and today's will be up uh, probably by Tuesday, and uh, kind of catch up on where we've been. Uh, I, I want to kind of review at the end today, so we're not going to take time to do that now. Uh, but as you can see, the shape uh, stands for spiritual gifts, heart's desire, abilities and talents, personality and experiences. As somebody last week told me, they said, hey, this was really the best sermon of this series. Why didn't you start with personality? Why didn't you start with P? I said, because Pasha A doesn't spell anything. It, it doesn't work that way. So we did them in order just to kind of spell the word and connect that uh, to what we're doing. But uh, the, the whole premise of the series, really, is to say that uh, God has created us unique and special. And each one of us is very different. And it's important for us to know that and understand that so that we can fit into his kingdom the way he has meant for us to fit into it. And we'll talk about that a little bit at the end of this morning. But I want us to talk today about our experiences. Fact is, every one of us has, gotten, uh, has had different experiences in life. Now we can say, well, some of them have been the same. How many, of, how, many, how many of you have been to Disney World? Let me see your hands. Okay, so you've had a little bit of a same experience. How many of you have been to California? Boy, that's an experience, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that, that's another experience. So, so we share some experiences in life. But there are some experiences that we don't share. There, there are a lot of experiences that are really unique to just us. And, and so God has used these in a way to grow us and make us an individual, special, and unique person. So let's talk about this. First of all, I want you to see that what God causes and what God allows are not necessarily the same. Now listen, I don't want to talk too long about this question because this could be a series on all, on all of itself. But the question, why do bad things happen to good people, is an age-old theological question. I mean, if God is good and God is love and God is in control, why do children starve? If God is good and God is in control and God is love, why are there terrible diseases in the world? We can talk about this on a, on a universal level, but at the end of the day, really what we want to know is, if God is love, and if God cares, and if God is in control, and if God loves me, why have I had such bad experiences in life? Now that's, that's a question that's inside of us. In fact, it is the most asked spiritual question in some surveys. Why does God allow bad things to happen to us? If he is all those good things. Well, first of all, let's just talk a little bit about this. Like I said, I don't want the whole sermon to be about this today, but I do want us to just briefly touch on this. Look what it says in Genesis 1, 31. It says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Listen, God did not uh, uh, cause evil to happen in the world. God created everything and said, Wow, it's good. It's all really good. So why do all these bad things happen? Well, here's why. One of the reasons why. And by the way, you know, theologians have been debating this for 5,000 years, and today I'll settle it for you. That's just a joke. I'm just kidding. Okay, but here's, kind of, here's one of the ways to think about this, folks. When God made man, 
He made man with the capacity to love. And if we have the capacity to love, then we must also have the capacity to unlove or to reject. Fact is, if he made us robots and forced us to love him, it wouldn't be love at all. It would just be something he made happen. Trees lose their leaves, not because of a choice they make, but because God just designed them to do that. That's what they do. If God designed us to love him because that's just what we do, we would have no choice in the matter. But folks, that's not love. As we've talked many times, as we see what the Bible says about love and we see what the Bible says about relationships, that's not love because love is always a choice. Love is something we choose to do. It's not something we feel. Now, I know we live in a world that really centers around our feelings and, and everything that we are motivated by and should be motivated by and what the world tells us to be motivated by is all around what we feel, what we think. If I feel like doing this, that's what I'm going to do. If I feel like doing this, that's what I'm going to do. Folks, that is the most um, um, natural and, in a sense, godless way to live. I'm going to live totally and completely controlled by my feelings. But love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. When the Bible tells me to love my neighbor, he doesn't tell me to watch out my window and wait till I see him going to the mailbox and go, oh, I just love my neighbor. I have this wonderful feeling in my heart. I have butterflies in my stomach. I just love my neighbor. In fact, that's not love, that's stalking. But that's something totally, that's something totally different. But, but what it means is I choose to act in love towards my neighbor. So when he's having a difficult time, I act in love towards him. Maybe I go and mow his lawn for him. Uh, maybe uh, if, if, if it's an older person, maybe I get their mail for them when it's snowing. There are ways to act in love towards people that is simply by a choice. It's not motivated by just a feeling, although our feelings can be in sync with it. It's something that we choose to do. Folks, God has given us the opportunity to choose him to choose to love him. By the way, we're the only part of creation that gets this choice. Birds don't get the chance to choose to love God and have a relationship with him. Trees don't get the opportunity to choose to love God and have a relationship with him. We're the only uh, 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 things on the planet that get this opportunity to choose to love God and have a relationship with him. But because he gave us that choice, because he allowed us and wanted us to have a loving relationship with him, again, we have the choice to unlove him or not love him. Look what it says in Romans 3.23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The fact is, uh, man, in the uh, sense of Adam and Eve, mankind, chose to sin against God. Instead of choosing to love God on a consistent basis, they chose to unlove God. They chose to sin against God. God didn't bring evil into the creation. He did not bring pain into the world. Mankind did. And God did that, allowed that in a sense, because he wanted man to get the opportunity to choose to love him. Now, the fact is, we are all sinners, and we have all gone our own way, not only because we are born into the family of mankind, but because each one of us has also chosen that path. Each one of us has chosen at times to do what we choose rather than what God says. We've chosen to worship ourselves rather than him. We've chosen to, in a sense, unlove God instead of love God. 
And so when we look at the world and how messed up it is, when we look at all the problems of the world, we see that it's not because God created it to be in chaos, but mankind's influence on the world has created this chaos. Uh, Most experts say that uh, uh, there is enough food on the planet for every single person uh, to have 3,000 calories a day and no one go hungry. I know you're thinking, only 3,000 calories a day, I'd be hungry. Okay, but listen, uh, that that means that people starve in the world not because there's not enough food. They don't starve to death because God hasn't created enough stuff for us. People starve to death because governments are corrupt and and human beings don't share. And human beings are selfish. And and we do things for our own benefit rather than for the benefit of others. And so, folks, it's important for us to understand that that while good and bad exist in the world and while uh, there are things that, that happen that God allows, that doesn't mean that God causes them. There's a difference. So it's important as we think about today some of the things that are bad in our lives, some of the experiences we've had that we wouldn't necessarily consider good, it's not, it's not right in our thinking to say, why did God do that? God allowed it because he gave us the opportunity to love him. And so therefore we have the opportunity to reject him. But I want you to see this morning that God uses both good and bad experiences to shape and mold us. Look at Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. What this verse is saying is that, folks, when we give our lives to God, he is the one who's going to mold us and shape us. He is working on us even at this very moment to mold us and shape us into the beautiful piece of artwork that he wants to create. He is doing that. This is an active participation. This is not, hey, God's letting some things happen over here to develop you. That's not what this is saying. This is saying that God is taking an active part in our development as a human being. He wants us to be molded and shaped into something because he wants to use us for his kingdom. As we introduced this entire sermon series, God's purpose is not to make us happy. God's purpose is not to make our lives easy. God's purpose is to turn us into a reflection of his son Jesus and do whatever it takes to make that happen. Now for some of us who who learn quickly, maybe we can just read the scripture and, and do the right things. For some of us who don't learn so quickly, many times God has to allow us to, uh, you know, have the circumstance come into our lives of these horrible things or even encourage us through some kind of catastrophe in our lives to, to turn toward him. His interest is not in our ease or our wonderful, happy life. His interest is to make us like Jesus and to use us as part of the body of Christ to minister to one another and to the world that is still far away from him. Listen, some memories that we have fade, and as I get older and older, uh, more and more memories fade with time. But the really important ones stay with us for the rest of our lives. And, and all of us have, uh, you know, whether we're you know, 12 years old or 52 years old or 96 years old, 
there are some memories that we, we cherish because they're good, and there's some memories that we remember because they are bad. You know, good experiences we celebrate. In fact, we, we celebrate some of them all the time. We, we celebrate births. Hey, I, I arrived on the planet. Let's celebrate. Have a birthday party, you know? We celebrate anniversaries, uh, uh, wedding anniversaries, anniversaries of other big days. Uh, we just celebrate those kind of things and those good memories. We also remember good memories because, or good experiences because we just enjoy them. I mean, some of the reasons are we just enjoy them. I remember uh, hearing my name at Arrowhead Stadium over the loudspeakers when the CMSU marching mules were introduced because I was a marching mule and I was the drum major for the marching mule, so they, they read my name. That was pretty cool. You know, I got a kick out of that. Now, nobody actually heard it because everybody was at the concession stand getting something to eat, but it was still pretty cool, you know? I remember dressing up like Beauty and the Beast with Mandy one Halloween and taking pictures and just having a really good time doing that. I remember Julie and our kids going to Disney World the summer before we got married and just great memories of that. Like you, I remember hundreds and hundreds of really good memories because we just enjoy remembering them. And we want to reproduce them, don't we? Look, I had a great time when I was a youth at youth camp. It ministered to me. It was a part of my development in my Christian walk. So I want every kid to have that same experience. Because I remember it, and that experience was so cool for me. I want every kid to go to youth camp. I remember what it was like to go to my first Chiefs game, so I want everybody to experience going to their first Chiefs game, even Oakland Raider fans. I remember what it was like to lead the last person I led to Christ, and I want everybody to experience the thrill of leading somebody to Jesus. Look, we have a lot of good experiences in our lives, and it's important that we remember them, that we celebrate them, and that we learn from them, that we try to reproduce them. But the reality is, those good experiences are peppered with some pretty bad experiences. We remember those because probably the deep pain that they've caused us. Some of them have caused such pain and and and. and open wounds on our hearts that while it may heal over over time, there will always be a scar there. You know, some of those uh, bad experiences, we would call them bad experiences, deep pain, are like the death of a loved one, the end of a relationship, the difficulties just in life, loss of a job, all kinds of really bad experiences that we've had to deal with. I remember getting the news that my wife had cancer. And I know some of you are saying, oh my gosh, she's going to talk about that again. Guys, I, I, I know, I've talked about it before. It happened 15 years ago. But even when I think about that moment, when she was at the grocery store and I was sitting at home thinking that we weren't going to hear from the doctor till Monday, it was Saturday morning, and the phone ringing and picking it up and them saying, this is the doctor's office. We called to let you know that Julie has cancer. Even thinking about it now, it gets me choked up. I know she survived, I know she's well, but still just the pain of that moment brings back a lot of hurt. I remember having asthma so bad as a child that I couldn't play outside. Well, like you, I've had many bad experiences and you're probably going through the Rolodex of your mind right now, thinking about the bad experiences that will really stick with us forever. But here's the point, folks. God is in the process of using both our good experiences and our bad experiences to shape 
our spirit, to shape our personality, to shape our empathy for others, our love for others, our counsel to others. He is in the process of doing those things for and in us so that we are useful to his kingdom, so that we can use, be used by him in a great way. He is investing in us the time and the effort and the energy to make those things happen in our lives so that we can minister to others and really expand and grow his kingdom. The other thing I want you to see this morning is that God turns painful experiences into good for those who follow him. Romans 8.28 says this, and I'm sure that most of you have heard at least half of this verse before. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, this is one of the three most often misquoted verses because most of the time on T-shirts, on bumper stickers, in other uh, uh, kind of consumer ways, it always quotes the first half of this verse. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Or all things work together for good. But this verse is very specific. It says, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, you see. All things don't work to everybody's good. There are things that work in life to people's pain and sadness and ultimately destruction. But for the Christian who has given their life to Jesus, who has accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible is very clear. God works all things the good, the bad, the ugly. He works them all out for our good if we're called according to his purpose. Listen, he doesn't take away the pain, but he uses those experiences to develop and shape us. It's it's very common, if we really pay attention, it's very common to see good come out of a situation that seems so bad. Some of you may know of an author named Johnny Erickson. Johnny Erickson was just a teenager. She's about my age or maybe a little older. She was a, a teenager. She was with her youth group, and they were diving into this uh, lake, and she dove headfirst into a lake, broke her neck, became a quadriplegic, has spent her entire life in a wheelchair. But because of that terrible and horrible tragedy, she became an inspirational speaker. She became an author. She became a recording artist. She has influenced thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people that perhaps she never would have had she not broken her neck. Now, are are we going to cheer and rah-rah for her breaking her neck? Of course not. But I want you to see how God does these things. He he takes this horrible and, and tragic accident that, that in that moment, I'm sure, I'm sure her family wasn't standing around and going, hey, you just wait, God's going to work this out. It's going to be all right. You know, they were devastated. This was tragic. This, this young teenage girl losing the use of her arms and legs for the rest of her life. But over time, God has a way of taking those things that are so devastating in the moment and working them out for good. As Julia and I have talked about her illness 15 years ago, 
I remember us talking as she finished six months of chemo and three months of, of a radiation treatment, very difficult year, uh, uh, financial challenges for her not working, just, just a really, really hard year for us. I remember us talking, having a conversation about someday being old and in a nursing home rocking chairs you know, next to each other and talking about this being one of the greatest three to five experiences of our life. Now, now you hear that and you go, how can that possibly be a good experience? Listen, we connected in a way that we never had before. It changed our relationship. It changed our view of life. I remember just thinking about somebody having this disease that could take their life in a moment. It made us think and realize, oh, wait a minute. I could be on the way to the hospital and be killed in an accident on the way. Our life, like the scripture says, is like a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. It's changed the whole way I view life. My asthma forced my parents to give me music lessons, help me pay for my education. I don't know if my parents would have been able to afford my college if, if I hadn't had a music scholarship, and I would have never had that music scholarship had I not had asthma. My divorce 25 years ago, it made me look at myself and decide to be a better man and a better husband to Julie than I probably would have been otherwise. And it put me in a position to teach and counsel families who are dealing with blended families and stepchildren and complications of all those things. Now, it doesn't mean you have to go through every experience to be able to counsel somebody. But listen, there's a little bit of street cred, you know, when, when, when you've been through a terrible thing and you can say, listen, I, I know what it's like to be there. I know, you know, sometimes I've, been going, I've gone through those terrible things and people that have never been through them go, oh, I know what that, I, I feel for you. And I want to go, no, you really don't. You really don't know what it's like. I appreciate your sympathy and empathy, but you don't really know. I, I, in some of those ways, I know. But folks, I want you to see that, that God only uses all those bad experiences. And you may have had bad experiences that you've experienced or are experiencing, and you haven't got to the other side yet. You don't know why God's doing that or, or what the eventual benefit will be or how it will turn out good yet. But folks, unless God is a liar and he is not, this scripture is very clear. He will take whatever painful, tragic, horrible thing you're currently going through or have just gone through and he will work it for your benefit and for good if, if you are called according to his purpose. If you have realized that you're a sinner, if you have realized that God gave his son Jesus to come to the earth and be uh, the, the payment for our sins on the cross, if you have decided to put your faith and trust in Jesus to forgive your sins, only then does God take all of that horrible stuff and make it work out for good. I want to encourage you today that if you haven't yet crossed over the line of faith, if you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus, I want to encourage you today to do that. And if you would say, I don't really know how to do that, listen, talk to, to somebody here today before you leave. We would love to help you. We would love to lead you. We would love to, to make it possible for you to do that. It's not that complicated, folks. It's just a matter of you putting your faith and trust in Jesus and asking him to forgive your sins and putting your life in his hands. That's it. But I want you to see today that God has gone to a lot of trouble. 
to bring all these circumstances and all these experiences into our lives to mold us and shape us, uh, to make us exactly the kind of artwork that he has wanted to create. I want to do just a little bit of review and then kind of in this series. You know, we started out talking about spiritual gifts. And again, if you haven't heard some of these sermons, you can certainly go online and hear them. Spiritual gifts are the things that, that God gives us when we receive Christ as our Savior. When we give our lives to him, he gives spiritual gifts to every single person. Now, they're not superpowers, okay? But, but they are super motivators, and they are an inclination to certain types of skills. Uh, you know, for, for instance, uh, you know, if you receive the gift of, ho- of hospitality when you receive Christ as your Savior, that doesn't mean that the next day you can prepare a banquet for 150 people and it just comes off without a hitch. You don't get a superpower to do that. But what it means is, all of a sudden, you have this thing inside you that you didn't know where it came from. You, you want to make sure that everybody is feeling good about being where they're at. You want them to feel at home in places, and it starts coming out in you. And because that's motivating you all the time, you get better and better at it. God gives us these spiritual gifts. And by the way, starting two weeks from today, on Sunday nights at 6 o'clock, we are going to go through the spiritual gifts kind of in detail right here at 6 o'clock at night. We're going to do that over a six-week period, four Sunday nights. We're going to skip Father's Day and the 4th of July because I know you all are going to want to do stuff with your families. But those other four weeks out of the next six, starting in two weeks, that's probably totally confusing now. Uh, check the city. Uh, 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 we want to go through these spiritual gifts because we want you to know what your spiritual gift is. We want you to be able to determine how God has gifted you so that you can find a way to serve within that spiritual gift. Then we talk about a heart's desire. The reality is that God has put different things in each one of our hearts. I know that some of you have a deep a desire to minister to people who are homeless. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody else doesn't care. It just means you just are really inclined to minister to those people. Some of you have a real deep desire just in your heart to minister to people who deal with hunger. Some of you have a real heart's desire to maybe minister to children or to the elderly. The fact is God puts different things in our hearts to drive us into his ministry. And not all of us feel the same thing. Uh, So don't be careful not to, you know, think that everybody else is heartless because their heart isn't exactly like yours. But, But accept and embrace how God's leading your heart so that you can minister the way he has gifted you and and wants you to do it. Then we have our natural abilities and talents. Now these come out very early on in our lives. Uh, the fact is, uh, some of you uh, very early on had a, a, an ability to just do math well, some uh, uh, music, uh, some athletics, uh, some are very mechanically brained. They just, you know, figure out those, mechan- you know, I don't have a mechanical bone in my body, and, and I never was taught that kind of stuff. I've never been around that kind of stuff. I don't think mechanically. I'm the, you know, kind of creative, you know, visionary guy here so the mechanical stuff doesn't work with me. and plus if I don't know how to do anything I don't have to do anything at home so that's also a good thing um, but but listen we all have abilities and talents and, and we need to really know what those are and, and listen I want to I want to tell you something it is not it is not being stuck up or conceited to say God has blessed me this way 
Okay, and I mean, if you got a banner and you're walking down the street with it, that's a little goofy. Okay, but listen, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not stuck up to say, hey, this is how God's wired me. God's given me some talents and abilities. There are a lot of talents and abilities I don't have, but I know he's given me some, and I need to embrace those because, again, he wants me to use them for his glory. Then, of course, last week we talked about our personalities and uh, how, how God has given each of us a very distinct personality. Now, there's basically four kind of personality types, uh, but they're all a little different, and um, you're a little different, I'm a little different, nobody's personality is exactly the same. And, and as we uh, assess, as we go through the spiritual gifts deal, and we finish that on Sunday nights, we're going to give you a spiritual gift assessment along with a, uh, a personality disc assessment. And we're going to start to see how this puzzle of your life fits together. You know, sometimes as people begin to embrace these things and begin to understand themselves and how God has wired them, they start to go, wow, now that I really understand who I am, I feel like I don't fit into the kingdom of God. Well, what does that, what does that mean? Why do you think that way? Okay, so let's say, let's say, for instance, that evangelism is a spiritual gift, which I'm not convinced by the scripture that it is but let's say that evangelism is a spiritual gift and somebody says well i'm 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 really outgoing and i'm gonna i have the spiritual gift of evangelism and i talk to everybody about jesus and i can walk up to the guy in quick trip and talk to him about jesus that makes real good sense but what about somebody who's an incredibly strong introvert who has this gift of evangelism and they go i can't talk to people at quick trip i can't hardly talk to people at my work i don't really talk to hardly anybody because I'm, I'm just a really big introvert. How in the world can I use my spiritual gift? Well, I think part of our job is to help you figure that out because maybe, just maybe, you could lead a, a, a prayer group that prays for people that others, the extroverts are talking to. Maybe you could lead a, a, a prayer group of people that are praying for the spiritual lives of others. You see, so we, we want to get all these combinations together so that you can figure out really where you can thrive in the body of Christ. And then, of course, today we talked about our experiences, how God is using our past experiences to mold and shape us. Now listen, God has shaped you and me the way he has for the sole purpose of making us more useful in ministry to the body of Christ. He has put each one of us together like an intricate puzzle piece but it's a puzzle piece. I want you to understand, it's a puzzle piece. You know, uh, I don't know if you, you do those big thousand piece puzzles ever, those kinds of things. You know the most frustrating part about those things is? Spending several days working on them, you finally get it done, and you got one piece missing. Man, I don't know if you've ever done that. That's frustrating. And then the only thing that's more frustrating than that is giving up putting it in the box, and then after you've got it torn all apart, you find the missing piece on the floor. <clears throat> and you realize it was there all along. Listen, folks, none of us are a completed puzzle by ourselves. God has made us that specific puzzle piece to fit into the body of Christ, to be a part of this local body of Christ. And if you're a guest from out of town, he's made you a piece to fit into a church in your town. But when you come here and you say, I'm a member of this local body, I'm, I'm plugging in here, I'm going to plant my flag with these people, this is my church, God has made you that specific puzzle piece to fit into this puzzle, <clears throat> to be an intricate and important part of the puzzle that is Fellowship of Grace. 
And I want to tell you something. When you aren't here, when you don't participate, when you don't participate in ministry or giving or serving, when you are, in essence, an absentee piece, the puzzle is incomplete. The puzzle cannot be completed the way that God has set it up. So I want to encourage you through this series, not only, you know, this is not a self-serving thing. Oh, I just, I get to know more about myself because after all, life is really about me understanding who I am. That's not why we're doing this. We want you to understand who you are. We want you to understand how your piece all fits together and what it looks like so then you can plug into the puzzle, which is fellowship of grace and fulfill who God made you to be in the body of Christ. Because it's only when every piece is serving and giving and attending and participating that the puzzle really looks finished. Listen, I know summer's coming. I know summer's coming, and, and, and our school has a, an incredible amount of, of school teachers, and you're off for three months. That's cool. I wish all of us could experience that. Um, and I know that many of you are going to be on vacation during the summer. I get all that. Listen, uh, you know, we don't take attendance around here, and, you know, if you miss a week, we, you know, give you a black check mark and call you and tell you you're in trouble. We don't do that, okay? We don't have that goofiness. Uh, but I want you to know that when you're not here, we're just incomplete. We, we, we just, we don't function like we do when you are. So take, take vacation. Spend time with your family. Do the things that you know God would want you to do. But listen, when you wake up and it's just one of those nice, cool mornings and the breeze is blowing into your bedroom and you're not on the schedule to serve somewhere, don't, don't take that as an opportunity to say, I'm gonna opt out today. I'm gonna keep my puzzle piece at home. Fog will get along. I'm not an edge, so they'll still, they'll still work out. <laughs> okay? I want you to realize that God has created you. He has shaped you. He has made you exactly how you are because there is nobody else here like you. And we need you here to really fully be who God wants us to be as a church. And so think about that. Take that seriously. And, and be who God has made you to be. We're here to help you find that place where you can find fulfillment in serving. And you will be able to thrive by doing really well. Because you're serving exactly where God created you to, to fit. So let us help you. Come on Sunday nights starting in two weeks. Figure out your spiritual gift, your personality type, and then we'll go from there and try to get everybody plugged in and be the peace that God made you to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Once again, to see from your word that uh, it all comes back to you. You have created us for your purpose, to minister to one another and to be a light to this community, many of whom don't know you yet. Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to really understand the piece of the puzzle we are, uh, really to understand ourselves through our shape. And you would help us to live out uh, our life as part of the puzzle that is, in this context, fellowship of grace. Lord, help us to be that wonderful and beautiful puzzle together 
help people who are far from God to come into our, uh, our church and see the sense of community, see the sense of love for one another, the sense of caring for one another, the sense of ministering to one another, the sense of encouragement for one another, and help them be drawn to you because they see how you have changed us. Father, use us in a great way to grow and see your kingdom grow here on earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.